We're on with Ephesians this morning. We're following through this series that's going to run for a few more weeks. The call to change is what I want to share a few thoughts with you this morning. Ephesians 4.20 and just four verses out of the whole sort of half a chapter that I want to focus on. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, your old self, which is being corrupted by its sinful, deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to be put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness I don't know about you but I remember doing the options at school do you remember doing your options those of you that have got parents you know parents or kids in year 10 you did your options well probably year 9 or 10 and it was always a misnomer because you get far fewer options than you really think you've got you know there's a lot of compulsory subjects within the options the truth is you're choosing between one or two or three or four really but all the maths the English the science you've got no option about that those of you that studied, always, there was always some modules when you were at university that were mandatory. So you could choose some stuff, but you couldn't choose others. You just had to do that. Well, when it comes to change, this is one of those options that isn't really an option at all. This is, this is on the curriculum for all of us in life. The, the thought that we can become a Christian and live as a Christian and not confront change regularly in our lives is a misnomer there is no form of christianity we can't opt for a form of christianity that says jesus i like you and i like the way i am right now and that'll do me till i get to heaven thanks you know that because i think quite a lot of us might choose that option you know just just leave me alone please god will you you know what i mean the the uh, until we need him and then it's all different isn't it it's when we need him it's oh god change me i'll do anything and and you know it's like the my friend who was a minister who got a speeding ticket or whatever uh, when it came through the post if you let me off this speeding ticket i'll never speed again i'll change forever you know that type of we, we, we tend to have that attitude when we need god that's one thing but but generally when he comes to us and says it's time for change we tend to be a little bit more resistant so here's the question i want to resonate in your souls are you up for the jesus change still in your walk with him jesus has set us on a new path it says in verse 20 the thing it all started when we came to know jesus when we encountered him our life changed far more than we realized in that moment we took on a whole new life and a life of change began another friend i know talks about god being the greatest interior decorator of them all and so often when we talk about this stuff we can talk about behavioral change or external modification and we'll get to that but primarily what god is talking about when he talks about change is how's the heart surgery doing you know how how's 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 the attitudes within how, how's the you that God is forming internally coming along are you are you developing and walking with him we sometimes when we when we are up for the change we will talk about the external change and I've definitely had these experiences in my life and I'm sure you'll have had the same you can be talking about to God about external change that really matters to you over here 
And he says, by the way, we need to discuss this first, which is normally always internal change, attitudes of our heart, our behavior, what's going on in there. You see, so we live with this tension of two lives. You see, when we're born, we don't realize it, but when we're born, uh, we don't know God, and immediately we start heading in the wrong direction of life. We don't know we're doing this, but we can't help doing it. We don't know him. Nobody's born knowing Jesus. Nobody's born, born again. So we start building our own lives without knowing him. If you want to use an analogy this morning, we, we, we've got the ladder of our life that we put against a wall, and we start climbing that ladder. That's how we think life progresses. God loves us, even while we're climbing the wrong ladder. God loves us from before we're born. But we will never reach our destiny. We will never be the people God has created us to be. We will never do the things that God has for us to do forever whilst our ladder is against the wrong wall. No matter how high we, high we climb, the purpose for our existence will never be discovered. That's why a lot of people out there that don't know God would still want to ask the question, you know, but why am I here? People will, will, will be an atheist in many ways until they come to that question. What is the reason for my existence? Work colleagues used to get this all the time when I used that analogy with them, that you can climb as high as you want on that ladder, but particularly people that have got success in life and seem to have achieved it all, they will tend to acknowledge, actually, when you get pretty high on the ladder, there's still something missing significantly. And often it's quite late in life when people realize they've been climbing the right, wrong ladder all along. You see, the Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. It's happened. The old has gone. The new is here. We become a new creation. You didn't realize it, but you, you started at that moment climbing a different ladder. Your life took on a new direction. My life became about something else. Whatever my thoughts, dreams, hopes were for my life before have now been supplanted with the reality that God is now causing me to head in a new direction. New destiny. We live differently. I'd, I'd forgotten until the end of the week traveling. I'd made a mistake. I didn't realize I was preaching today. Uh, until the end of the week and then uh, you know the reminder comes through like we all get thank god I got the reminder otherwise I'd had a fun morning and uh, I would have liked to have done this analogy that I'm going to show you on the screen in a minute I'd have liked to have done this uh, but anyway you'll get the idea here's a guy talking about the two lives once this new creation is formed within us once we're born again then we have new appetites you'll have found that You'll remember becoming a Christian, viewing life differently, wanting to spend time with different people, having, encountering the love of God and having a heart open to that, whereas before you'd have rejected it. So change starts to come in our appetites, but our old hungers are still there. I think what Paul is talking about here, I think is one of the saddest states a Christian can live in, where we try and live two lives our old life and our new life side by side each other, next to each other. Change is difficult. I, I don't want to deny the fact that change can be difficult for some more than others, but it's not as painful and as frustrating 
as trying to live our old life alongside our new life. It seems to hurt us. It's interesting, isn't it? The biggest warnings in Scripture are given to us so that we stop hurting ourselves. In Revelation, to the church in Laodicea, it says, Jesus is speaking to this church. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Gosh, that's a strong warning. I'd want to encourage each and every one of us, myself included this morning, if we've still got a tendency to swap between the two ladders, if there is something in our lives this morning specifically where we know we're climbing the old ladder, there's an opportunity this morning to leave that behind and remind ourselves we are now born again for something different. We're a new creation. The new life is going to take us somewhere better and somewhere higher, but we cannot climb it while we've still got a foot in the old life. It's a great morning to make a decision. The sun is out. Who knows where it might take you. I remember I've got a friend of mine who grew up a Christian. I didn't, he did. I remember him vividly and we talked about it in detail. Not me pestering him, just talking. God was asking for a change in his life. And I remember him really vividly saying, no, no, I want to stay in my current state. He never denied God to my knowledge, but he refused to change. And I watched the faith over a number of years just drain from him. I believe the Lord's heart breaks for my friend. God has more for him. But until he makes that change, then God cannot use him to the extent God wants to use him. I'm not going to tell you how to change this morning. God will do that or God is already doing that. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to each and every one of us. I don't believe anybody's separate from this. And so when change is on God's agenda, he tends to give us specifics. The scripture will lead you and guide you. I find the language interesting. Put off the old life. Uh, put on the new life. Why not? Why doesn't Paul just say, stop doing this and start doing that? You know, why, why not be more direct? This language of put off, it, it's a language of clothing. I'm quite a literal person the way I think. Those of you that are probably a bit more creative, better at lateral thinking, for you this language might help you. For me, it's like, oh God, just tell me what to do now. You know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't use fancy language with me. But no, very deliberately, Paul is using this language of let's put off the old life. Let's put on the new life. You see, it's not just about, I think the emphasis Paul is going to, this isn't just about behavior change. It's about a radical change of our heart and our mind. You know, in some ways the idea of clothing doesn't help. Again, for me, I was, I was thinking about that operating theater and even to go and pray in there, I've got to get dressed up in my scrubs, you know, and got to change my shoes to go into one room and change my shoes to go into another and we're washing hands and, and rightly so you know what I mean I'm not I'm not there's important infection control and all that sort of thing and then they, they're showing us round just before we prayed and there's new washing machines and then there's the area where like the doctors you know if it's been a messy c-section where they have to shower themselves and they're closing everything down you know sometimes it can get a bit messy in there hence hence me not staying but just imagine uh, for a moment the doctor 
has gone in and he's showered himself down. And then he puts on his old scrubs to do the next operation. It'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? This is the language that Paul is using here. Put on the new man. Put on the new man. If we've got an old coat, we don't tend to just put the new one on top of the old one, do we? We discard the one and put a new one on. You see, what God is looking for isn't like, in coming to know him, isn't like John Fahey plus. You know, it's not, it's not John Fahey with just a bit extra added to his life because I've met God. He's saying, no, no, no. When you said yes to me, we embarked on a whole new different direction. John Fahey 2.0 maybe is a better analogy. There's something new I'm building in your life here. Put off the old. Put on the new. I'd want to say as well with more of a, a, a pastoral perspective, but I think Paul is talking about the put off and put on because we can't live in the void either. Sometimes we come to God and he helps us stop doing something, but we don't replace it with the positive thing that God wants us to do. And that leaves us in a really vulnerable place, a naked place, if you like. Because our life seems to have no more purpose and we're just missing the thing that we gave up. Whereas I think in our walk with God, very often, if people will come and talk to me about an addiction or they'll come and talk to me about an anguish or whatever it might be, of course, let's have that discussion. I believe in that passionately. But I want to know, what are you going to replace it with? What, where's the new life taking you? God is not just trying to remove something. He's trying to build something more into you. Put on the new life. I remember one of my friends uh, who'd been in addiction had said to me, okay, I've, I'm out of addiction now for a number of years, but uh, do I still need to go to all the meetings? And my response was, because again, there were there was the opportunity to go there and help people don't just use it to get out of the addiction use your experience to go and help others put off the old but don't stay there whatever you do you're going to sit there naked and vulnerable put on the new use what you have to help bring freedom to others what is God calling you towards this morning not just away from. Paul goes on to give some specifics. Here are some clues to show whether we're climbing the wrong ladder or not. Let me just read you these verses. I'm not going to comment on them in detail, but they're worth reading. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for you're all members of one body. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on you while you are still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God, just as Christ God forgave you. It's a useful list to read through in your own time. It'll help you know, am I climbing the right ladder or not? How am I doing with my bitterness? How am I doing with my speech? How am I doing? It's not behavior modification I'm talking about this morning. That will come. I believe it. 
These are external signs of, of whether we're up for the change or not. So we get to the point, don't we? How do we change? How do we change? That's the vital thing here. I don't believe many people sitting in church on a Sunday morning don't ultimately want to change. I want to suggest three things. Firstly, feed your heart and mind, your soul, with all the God stuff that you can. Praise and worship and generosity and positive people and conversations. Jesus-focused relationships are vital for all of us. The old life seems easier to peel off when we're in the right environment. Eat and drink the diet of the new life. Again, back in Ghana, gosh, they have church meetings a lot. They're always having church meetings. Every day of the week, there seems to be some sort of church meeting. This is separate to the prayer meetings in the morning. They happen every day. And it's like another church meeting, for goodness sake. It's like full on. Doesn't surprise my African friends. It's like, surely they can't need, why do they need another church meeting? So like Sunday morning church, okay, that's fine. Monday is the youth meeting. Well, everybody goes to the youth meeting, whatever age they are. They're all at the youth meeting. They're not young people, they're all there. Tuesday night is the outreach when you go to a village church and you'll preach at the, the outreach, so you'll do that. Wednesday night they have midweek church. Thursday night, yeah, we were out and about on Thursday night, so I don't know what that was, probably the prayer meeting. Friday night, another outreach to another village. Saturday morning there was a funeral, I, I said we couldn't go to this, there was a funeral of a pastor that died, not linked to their church even, but loads of them go to the pastor's funeral. That's like the hobby, you know, that's the, that's the social connection. I said, I can't, I can't do another church meeting, you know what I mean? I'm, do, I'm done with that. I'm sure he was a lovely man, but no more now. No more church meetings, and then you're back again. They, they're over, there's too much, there's too much. But I tell you here, in our culture, we're on starvation rations. You know, we... we the, 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 the Sunday morning and maybe seeing somebody every couple of weeks. This does not fill our lives. It doesn't fill our lives with the positive influences of one another, of the Spirit of God that we need. Our new life cannot live on starvation rations. So firstly, I would, I would want to really encourage us to feed our mind, our heart and our soul on all the good God stuff. I would consider myself a mature Christian but I know I need others, the right environment, the right people, to ensure I can stay as I am now. I think, if I, I think I could stay now, but if I want to keep developing, I believe I need others essentially for that. Second thing, possibly the most important, accept you are a new creation. Open your heart time and time again to hear God whisper, you are my son, you are my daughter. This change that happened, I adopted you, I've placed you in a new family. You're mine. Think of the prodigal son verse for a moment. But the father, when the son came home, the father hugged him, was watching him from a distance. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. The son had messed up. 
But as he came home to the father was clear where he stood. He was totally accepted, totally belonging, totally loved. Even if we're messing around with the other ladder, we mustn't forget that we are a new creation. Remind ourselves time and time again, I belong to you, Lord. I'm in your family. The coat is a sign of honor and acceptance. The father didn't just accept him back and treat him as some second-class son. He said, you are my honored son. You have importance in this family. You have importance in the family of God. If you listen to God, I promise he will whisper into your soul. I honor you. You've got a place here. The ring is like the equivalent of like a wedding ring. It's a covenantal sign. You belong to me forever. The father put the ring on the son's finger. God says, you're mine forever. I've got you. Totally restored relationship. And the shoes, yes, symbolize journey, but also servants don't tend to, servants have bare feet, sons wear shoes. You're part of the family. I remind us again this morning, the Father God loves you as much as he loves Jesus the Son. So we might come to him with our anxieties for change. And I'll give some specifics in a moment. We come to him looking for change. But the emphasis of the scriptures is that's not wrong to do. But let's remind ourselves just how significant God views us. Just how much he wants to honor us. Just how precious we are to him. So the way we change is not by focusing on what we want to change, but by focusing on the God who loves us so deeply. And he's not just doing it because he has to. He's doing it because he means it. And, and if we find that place, which isn't difficult, we just fix our gaze on him for a few moments, change suddenly becomes possible. Because your new life is desperate for this. Your new life is what will grow as you commune with the God who loves you. And the third thing, which is important, is to acknowledge the battle, but choose life. You know, most fish swim against the stream. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you will find yourself swimming against our culture and the way the world lives, and we should expect that. The only fish that tend to swim downstream, or certainly most of the time, are dead fish. And so if we find ourselves in the midst of this challenge of the two ladders, if we find ourselves with others advising us to live a different way, if we find ourselves, then we just need to remind ourselves, the life I have chosen is to swim against the stream here. I'm a different creation. I'm a different animal now, if you like. I live a different way because I belong to Christ. He's mine and I'm his. I wonder if the band would like to come back. But the beauty, the beauty of following Christ is that he has enabled us to swim against the current. He's empowered us to do that. We're not just dead fish floating downstream. Let me try and give a couple of examples Say we're in a battle to be generous in our hearts. 
Say, we know we want to be a generous people, not just live for material stuff. I want to dress in the clothes of my new life. I know, I know there's a generous John in here that's been called by, by God to be a generous person. And yet I'm stuck in the anxiety of my material stuff. Surely by now I should live in a house like such and such. The friends have got a new car, why haven't I got a new car? So we're stuck in this middle world. And so we can get stewed up if we want. We can pray about this if we want to, about like the material stuff. But I would suggest instead of that, remind yourself that God in heaven wants to be your provider. That God says, I'm a father with the resources of all of heaven. And some of them are yours. I want to pour them into your lap. And as you hear God speak into your very soul, not a preacher, then you find that generosity starts to well up. We don't get stuck in the issue. We remember the nature and the character of God. We're frustrated in our workplace, fed up. The boss is a pain in the neck. They usually are. You feel that God has got more for you. He's calling you onwards. I believe in doing the application, the professional development. I'm not talking about not doing any of that and just waiting there in some sort of comatose state for God to answer half prayers. I don't believe in any of that at all. But instead of bringing the problem to God all the time, nobody sees my opportunity, where the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. We remind ourselves, my God has a different destiny for me. He has a different plan for me. That's where I'm focusing my prayer. I'm a child of the God who promotes. So I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to clothe myself in the promise that before I was born, he had a plan for my life. I could go on. I hope you get the point. I don't know if I've made the point. Don't get stuck in the issue. A friend of mine was bothered about a church budget at one point and was praying continually, fasting about finances in the church. His mentor said to him, stop it now. Isn't it good to be praying about that sort of stuff? It's good to be praying about it. I'm not, I, I hope I'm not giving the point that we don't pray. It's, it's right that we bring our concerns and our anxieties to God. But if that's all we get to, we miss the point that the new, the new us wants to celebrate the God who has all provision. I want to spend more of my time there than I do over here. Your new life is in perfect relationship with God. There's nothing blocking you and him. Let that be our focus. Let's continue to worship. Let's stand together.